I'm going to show you the critical mistake which Dylan White made that cost him against Alexander Povetkin. And the good thing is, at least from Dylan White's perspective, is he appears to know what this mistake was himself. He said so in a Sky interview the morning after the night before, and I'll get onto that a little bit later on in this video. But for now, let's just jump right into this analysis. Now, I've said all along, the moment this fight was signed, that Dylan White needs to keep the fight at long range. He's the guy who's slightly taller with the longer arms. Povetkin is an older fighter, and so if you've got the longer arms and you're the younger guy, you want to keep the older fighter at arm's length, keep the fight on the outside where you have the advantage, and force the shorter-armed, older man to work hard for his openings, to have to bob and weave and come forward and try and close down the distance, keep him exerting himself and expending a lot of energy just to try and work for openings. Dylan White was doing an excellent job of this in the first few rounds. He was doing exactly that. In fact, I would go as far as saying this was the most technically sound version of Dylan White that I've seen. Other than maybe, let's say, the Chisora rematch, he was pretty technically sound there too. He was very technically sound here. Obviously, he wasn't perfect because he ended up getting knocked out. But up until that fifth round, he'd barely put a foot wrong. He was keeping Povetkin on the outside. He was hammering with him with that jab and he was forcing Povetkin to work very hard to get in close and of course he was keeping his guard nice and tight when Povetkin did get close to block a lot of Povetkin's shots and he wasn't exchanging up close too often he did get a warning from his his uh, head trainer Xavier Miller who said don't exchange with him too early he said that in between one of the rounds and I can only agree with that and I'm sure Dylan knows better than anybody right now, that that wasn't the right thing to do. So in this particular image, you've got Dylan White and Povetkin at close quarters. Dylan, uh, excuse me, Povetkin is throwing a very short jab. Now, if you're the guy with the longer arms and your strategy is to keep Povetkin at arm's length, the moment that you feel Povetkin's jab hit your face or hit your gloves, that means you're too close. That means you need to move away immediately. As soon as you feel that he's got a jab on you, move away. Because Povetkin has got the shorter arms than Dylan White, which means his hooks are tighter up close. Povetkin has made a whole career out of throwing devastating hooks and uppercuts at close quarters. If you're the guy with the longer arms and you're dominating at long range, what on earth are you doing at clo close quarters with him? I guess Dylan White felt that Povetkin had been sufficiently worn down with the two knockdowns that he inflicted on him in the previous round. But if you've studied Povetkin's history throughout his career, he's been a very, very tough guy. He's come back from knockdowns and being outboxed and being hurt in fights to win in spectacular fashion, often with one-punch knockouts. So the one place you don't want to be if you're Dylan White against Povetkin is in this position right here, up close. So Povetkin fires out a little short jab, and this is just a setup punch. This is not a punch that he's trying to really punish Dylan White with. It's just a setup punch. If you feel that setup punch, if you're thinking in a defensively sound way, you move away when you feel that from Povetkin because he's trying to set something up. Dylan White doesn't move away. What does Dylan White do? Dylan White decides to try and exchange with Povetkin in the pocket. Terrible mistake. Let's move on to the next image. 
So here, Dylan White fires a right hand at close range. You can see his arm is bent. That's how close they are. Povetkin dips to his left. Now, from this position, it's obvious to everybody that Povetkin is going to fire off. Now, Dylan White might have felt like Povetkin was going to fire at his body because of the position he's in here. Or he might have felt Povetkin's going to fire a left hook to the head. And Dylan White, throughout the duration of the fight, even in the previous up-close exchanges, Dylan White had been blocking Povetkin's hook with his right glove. But he didn't count on Povetkin coming up through the middle with an uppercut, as we're going to see. But as I say, the position in here for Dylan White is not good. You don't want to be in one of these inside exchanges with Povetkin, the man with the shorter arms, who's very skilled in this situation here. You need to keep him where Dylan White had him in the previous rounds at long range, battering with the jab. That was all working so well. Dylan White just got a little too, I don't want to say overexcited because he wasn't even in the fifth round coming out overly aggressive or anything, but he just got a bit too comfortable in the situation. That's what it was. He wasn't aware of how dangerous Povetkin still was at close quarters. So he fires this right hand, Povetkin slips it by dipping to his left. You can see Povetkin pulling his arm back there after he slips Dylan White's right hand. And he starts coming up with the uppercut, which he, he virtually lifts it from the floor. Dylan White is looking to throw his own left hook here. So he's looking to hook with a hooker. This is another thing I said in my pre-fight videos. Yes, Dylan White has got a good left hook, but he's never fought anybody with a left hook like Povetkin. Povetkin's left hook is tighter. I said that Dylan White should avoid exchanging left hooks with Povetkin. If he's going to throw a left hook, throw it as a lead when he's got Povetkin you know, in a situation where he knows Povetkin can't hit him, preferably at mid or long range. But if you know Povetkin is going to swing anything with his left, don't even dream of swinging your left at the same time. That is what I tried to convey in my pre-fight videos. He's got the shorter arms, so up close, he's got the advantage. His shot is probably going to reach the target sooner if you continue exchanging with him like that up close with left hooks. You don't do that. Yeah, you have to know what your strengths are relative to your opponent, where your opponent is stronger than you, in which areas, in which areas he's going to be more dangerous than you in. Dylan White didn't understand this in this particular situation at this particular period of the fight. He thought that he was safe here. He thought that he would come off best in this exchange. But oh no, as you see Povetkin bringing the uppercut up virtually from the floor. Dylan White trying to get himself into a position to throw his hook. He thinks the uppercut is going to go to, or he thinks this is going to be a shot to the body rather than an uppercut. But there we go. Up through the middle of Dylan White's guard. Dylan White is attempting to swing his left, as you see his glove there. But Povetkin's lands first. And obviously the much harder. There you see the end of Dylan White's shot where he tried to swing his own left. That's the completion of the action there of Dylan White's left hook that he attempted. This is from a different angle. Again, they're very close. Look how close they are. You don't want to be like this. Povetkin has got the shorter arms and the faster hands. That's another thing I forgot to mention. He's got the faster hands on the inside than Dylan White. You don't want to be in this position with him. Povetkin is all set. Look at his legs. The way his knees are bent. He's in a crouch. All of his power is being generated into this uppercut is being, you know, channeled into this uppercut 
from his body position here. It's almost Mike Tyson-esque. Obviously, I'm not saying a 40-year-old Povetkin was as good as Mike Tyson. Definitely not. I'm just saying, given the fact that Povetkin also trained with Teddy Atlas, he's got some of that Costa model technique. And as you see, bending the knees, dipping to his left and coming with a left uppercut. It is Tyson-esque. And you don't want to be in that kind of position with Alexander Povetkin if you're Dylan White. I mean, is there anybody really in the heavyweight division right now that can afford to be in this type of situation with Povetkin? Maybe Andy Ruiz, although even Ruiz would have to be careful because Ruiz is good up close. He's not as technically good as Povetkin. Povetkin has laid so many people out from this position. Go and look at his fight against Carlos Takam. When he laid Takam out, it was a very situ similar situation to this. He dropped Takam heavy, I think, in a previous round. Then in the next round, he came out and finished him. But one of those knockdowns, maybe I'll put a, a screenshot on screen right now, came from the, this exact same situation where Carlos Takam tried to exchange a left hook with Povetkin. Again, Takam, a similar height to Povetkin, but, sh but much longer arms. Takam has got over an 80-inch reach. Okay, much longer arms than Povetkin. That means Povetkin's got the advantage on the inside with a shorter arms and really accurate, powerful hooks. So <laughs> whenever you see Povetkin in this situation here, he's usually going to come off best. There are very few heavyweights in the division that are going to be uh, at an advantage if they're in this situation here with Povetkin. So Dylan White misses his right hand there, as you can see at close range. The uppercut comes in. A tremendous shot it was. Now, if you look at the feet, both guys are pretty square. But on the inside, most fighters tend to square up like this. Certainly, Mike Tyson fought very square. And one of the reasons that Tyson would fight square, uh, especially up close, is because it would allow him to shift his body weight more easily from right to left, throwing hooks and uppercuts. Yeah, It's much easier to shift and easier to throw short shots when you're in a square position like this if you're a come forward pressure fighter. So there are advantages to fighting square when you're in the pocket like this and disadvantages. It all depends on what kind of fight you are. It also allows you to, uh, you know, for the, 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 the right and left hooks don't have to travel as far to hit the target. So if you're more square on and you want to throw a right hook, it has to travel further. Excuse me, if you're more side on and you want to throw a right hook to the body, and you're up close, it has to travel further. Do you understand? If your shoulders are more squared up, your right hook is right by the guy's body. It doesn't need to travel as far. See, this is one of the reasons Tyson used to square up in the pocket like that. And same for Alexander Povetkin, again, who spent a while with Teddy Atlas, you know, for a few fights earlier on in his career. And he's kept a lot of that uh, Teddy Atlas teaching. I've mentioned this, you know, in many videos in the past. But anyway, here he lands this tremendous left uppercut, which will be on the Alexander Povetkin highlight reel. And this is probably what? Knockout of the year? It's definitely a contender for knockout of the year. I think so far, as far as I can remember, this is the knockout of the year. Not just because it was an amazing punch, but also because it came out of the blue. <laughs> it came against the run of play. So yeah, Povetkin lands the left uppercut. And you know, those of you who are somewhat superstitious, you might want to pay attention to something which I spotted here. So around the perimeter of the ring, you see these uh, advertise, these advertising pads. The, I think some people call them Toblerones, right? 
You see these advertising Toblerones. Now you've got various different companies advertising their services and products. One of them is the Matchroom Toblerone. Now look what happens when Dylan White goes down. He gets hit with the uppercut. All right, he's falling, falling. Now his head lands on the Matchroom Toblerone. Legs flying in the air. And the Matchroom Toblerone goes flying out the ring. And it's the only one <laughs> that goes flying out the ring. Is that a bad omen for Matchroom and Eddie Hearn? Does this little uh, thing, you know, this little detail signify the fall of Matchroom? I'm sure that there are going to be Frank Warren fans, PBC fans, ESPN fans, etc. that are hoping so. <laughs> that are hoping that this is some kind of bad omen. That Eddie Hearn's two top heavyweights in Anthony Joshua and Dylan White have both suffered knockout defeats now over the past 18 months. So Eddie Hearn's stable is looking tainted compared to some other stables, like, for example, uh, the ESPN stable, let's say the BT stable, because they've still got unbeaten heavyweights who are, well, one of them is regarded by most to be the best heavyweight in the world, and that's Tyson Fury. And the other one in uh, Daniel Dubois is an up-and-coming unbeaten guy. You've also got Joe Joyce with Frank Warren. So again, this is all about perception at the end of the day. Just because Dylan White lost this fight, it doesn't mean he's trash. It doesn't mean he's going to lose to all Frank Warren's heavyweights and all that kind of stuff. Heavyweight boxing and boxing in general doesn't work like that, okay? But I'm just talking about the perception of the boxing public. Right now, they're looking at the matchroom stable as tainted, as looking weak, as looking fragile, you know? And they will be praying that this really was some type of telling, <laughs> some type of message from the gods that uh, Matchroom is about to fall down. And this happened right in Eddie Hearn's backyard, right? Dylan White's head hits the Toblerone and Matchroom gets knocked off the ring. So, yeah. And as I've said in my post-fight video, I have been saying for a long time that you should expect multiple upsets in this heavyweight era. Because... It's so obvious to me, and it was from years ago, that this was going to turn out to be like the 1990s, where you don't have one dominant heavyweight who just goes ahead and destroys everybody in the division. No, you only tend to get that when you have a weak division, when you have a division where one guy is just head and shoulders above the others and, and, and nobody else is really saying much. Now, some people will try and say that is the division we're in now. They're completely wrong. This division is going to be like, and it is playing out to be like, the Wild West. I've been saying this for years now. There are going to be upsets galore. And I often concentrate more on heavyweight boxing than I do on other weight divisions because heavyweight boxing is so dramatic. That's why I love it. Not just the fact that I boxed as heavyweight for many years as an amateur, well, super heavyweight in the amateurs, but... Also, because from an entertainment perspective, this is what you get. David Hay, in an IFL interview today, pointed out that in other divisions at the top level, very rarely do you get this kind of thing happening in final eliminators. 
between, you know, two of the top contenders, one punch knockouts against the run of play. Very rarely do you get that in the welterweight division. And people love knockouts. I love knockouts. <laughs> and this is one of the best knockouts you're going to see for a long time. So hats off to Sasha Povetkin. You know, as much as it's sad for Dylan White and it was a cruel irony that he was boxing one of the best technical fights he's had, that he was on the cusp of challenging for a world title if he can only just get past this final hurdle. As much as that's a cruel irony and you do feel for Dylan White, I'm not going to lie, I also kind of feel happy for Povetkin, a 40-year-old man really in the twilight of his career, not quite what he used to be, still showed that he has dynamite in his fists, still shows that he can't be written off, even against the young gun like Dylan White, who looked like he had the beating of him. You can't count him out completely, yeah? Especially at close range. Now, this obviously will, prop will well, I don't want to say obviously, this will probably lessen the chances that Povetkin will be able to do this to anybody else because they're going to be extra careful not to be in the position Dylan White was in. Up close with Povetkin trying to ex exchange hooks on the inside. They're going to be extra careful to never do that as long as they're in there. <laughs> so that's a warning to the rest of the, of the division that even an old guy like this can pull out one punch from the gods and you know, knock you onto your backside and end the fight. When I say from the gods, I'm not saying this was a lucky punch at all. Do not misconstrue what I'm saying. Not at all. Povetkin has been throwing those kind of punches for years. And he specifically trained, he said in the post-fight interview, he specifically trained to throw a lot of hooks and uppercuts because he said that Dylan White doesn't appear to uh, defend uppercuts very well. So he specifically went for that, you know, in, in training camp. So this was no kind of fluke or anything like that. This was Dylan White making a mistake and allowing himself to, you know, engage Povetkin where Povetkin's at his strongest. So it was Povetkin doing something good and Dylan White doing something bad from a strategic and defensive perspective. Anyway, as I said at the top of the video, Dylan White appears to know, you know, the mistake that he made. And that's obviously a good thing in terms of a rematch. Now, I'm still of the opinion and view that Dylan White shouldn't take an immediate rematch because if he was to lose back-to-back -back fights to Alexander Povetkin, a 40-year-old man who isn't what he was a few years ago, that would probably be the end of Dylan White's career. Uh, so I think it's better for him to regroup, maybe take one or two rehabilitation fights and work on you know, certain aspects of his game, then maybe run it back with Povetkin after a couple fights. Povetkin, I'm sure, is still going to be around. And even if he loses to somebody else, Povetkin, if, if Dylan White offers him, enough, offers him enough money, Povetkin will probably take it. So what is Dylan White's mission right now? Is it just to get to that heavyweight title and maybe get revenge on Povetkin? Because let's say Dylan White gets past Povetkin, and I don't think he will, to be honest with you, in the rematch. But let's say he does get past Povetkin in a rematch. Given the fact that he was knocked out virtually cold. I mean, he wasn't quite out cold, but he was close to being out cold from that left hook. Dylan White against who? For the undisputed championship, or, you know, let's say there isn't an undisputed at the time. Dylan White against Anthony Joshua in a rematch. I mean, I see that going the same way as the first fight with Dylan White ended up being knocked out. 
Yes, Anthony Joshua has been down as well. He doesn't have an iron jaw, but he's a lot faster than Dylan. I think he is much improved. He's got, you know, uh, a back foot game that we've now seen against Andy Ruiz in the rematch. He can switch it up. And even though Anthony Joshua has been down and he's been stopped, he's never been knocked out with one punch. He got hit with a tremendous hook from Ruiz and he got up. He went down again and kept getting up. Against Vladimir Klitschko, he got hit with a tremendous Klitschko right hand. I mean, Klitschko could barely have hit him any harder. He went down heavy, but he got up. Now, some are going to say that Dylan White wasn't given the opportunity to get up because the referee waved it off without a count. Could he have gotten up if the ref had counted to 10? I doubt it. I mean, you never know, but I seriously doubt it. Point being, in my mind, I would massively favor Anthony Joshua. And I, I favored him all along to beat Dylan White in a rematch, but even more so after watching that because of the psychological impact that that knockout defeat is going to have on Dylan. I felt like the AJ knockout defeat really dented Dylan White's punch resistance. I think the Povetkin knockout defeat is going to dent it even more. And I think this guy's, you know, punch resistance is going to be shaky moving forward to say the least. And he, he, he definitely didn't have an iron jaw prior. He'd been down against Parker, down against Rivas, hurt by Hellenius, uh, and, you know, several other fighters. But anyway, <laughs> Dylan White appears to be moving ahead. He's not listening to the likes of me. And to be honest with you, it's all good. He didn't get to where he is by listening to people like me. Critics and YouTube pundits and all these kind of people who aren't professional boxers. He didn't get there by listening to naysayers. He got there by listening to his own inner voice and believing in himself. Okay, that's what separates the likes of Dylan White from the likes of us. <laughs> yeah, is he believes in himself to a level that most human beings don't, at least with regards to fighting. Yeah, so he's going to go ahead and take the rematch. And as you can see, obviously the YouTube subtitles are often very, very off. <laughs> and you can see that here. But what he said is that he dipped low, I shot the hook, and he came up again with the uppercut. I shot the hook and he came up with the uppercut. That's what Dylan White actually says, but in the subtitles, it's a bit off. So he knows where he went wrong. He knows that you can't be dipping in close against Alexander Povetkin. That's where his advantage is. And he said in this interview that he understands he didn't really do much wrong. He just w made one mistake where, you know, he, he played into Povetkin's strength. So if he can rectify that, can he win the fight? Yes, he can. His jab was tremendous in this fight, Dylan White. That's the best Dylan White jab I've seen. He wasn't pawing with it. It wasn't a flicking jab. It was a real solid ramrod punch and it was starting to mark Povetkin's face up. So he was boxing real good on the outside controlling the distance, forcing Povetkin to work hard, blocking Povetkin's shots when he when Povetkin got into punching range. And see, here's the thing. When you control the, the distance with the jab, like Dylan White was, and you force Povetkin to like make fast foot movements to get close and then get shots off, unless your back is to the ropes, if he's making those fast foot movements, he has to set himself before he throws a shot at the end of his charge. So let's say he, he shuffles forward, one step, two step, you know, he, he's, he's doing the, the boxing shuffle forward, okay, with the correct foot technique. He then has to set himself, and in that split second where the guy's setting himself, 
that's where you move off. You move away. Yeah, you, you reestablish the distance. You hit him with another jab. This is the advantage of keeping the fight at distance. Because there are some people who say, no, he needs to push Povetkin back. If you push Povetkin back, Povetkin's not trying to go back. You know what that means? That means that Povetkin is going to punch. As you come forward, he's going to stand there and punch with you. Now, yes, you might land a big shot. You might be able to drop him if you're trying to push him back. But he's also going to be able to land shots. So it's a very, very risky strategy doing it that way. It's the kamikaze strategy. Dylan White was on course to win the fight the first time around if he just kept it long and had resisted the temptation to dip forward and start exchanging hooks. His jab was working beautiful. When Povetkin was coming in, Dylan White was meeting him with uh, you know hard jabs, right hands over the top, he sometimes Povetkin would charge in. He'd throw a couple shots, which Dylan had block, and then Dylan would counter with a shot to the body. Yeah, when when he knew that Povetkin, from the position he was in, couldn't throw a left hand from there, of any description, bang, he would shoot to the body. So there was nice counter punching from Dylan White, particularly the body shots, when he was in a safe position. Yeah, but again, he just got too greedy in that fifth round. Dip forward, start exchanging in the pocket. No, 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 no. You don't do that with Alexander Povetkin. Ask Carlos Takam. Anyway, let's see what happens, people. If the rematch takes place, who you guys picking? I've got Povetkin, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> I hope that Dylan White can come back stronger from this, but it's going to be tough. And if his knockout defeat to Anthony Joshua was anything to go by, his punch resistance is going to be further diminished by this Povetkin loss. That's my opinion. I could very well be wrong. If Dylan White comes back to be even better and stronger than he was before, I tip my hat to the guy. There are some incredible individuals within the sport of boxing who show you the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the true extent that human beings can go to. It shows you how much they can elevate themselves mentally when it comes to overcoming adversity. That's why we love the sport of boxing. And one of the reasons why we love it is watching people overcome adversity and upset the odds and rise like a phoenix from the flames, you know, like a phoenix from the ashes. We enjoy seeing that kind of stuff. Let's see if Dylan White can do it. Drop your comments in the comment section below. It's happening, I'm out. Join me on Patreon. I upload a minimum of two podcasts every single week covering a wide variety of controversial topics as well as live stream Q&A sessions. Take a look on screen right now at some of the podcasts I've produced so far. For just $3 a month, the equivalent of about £2 a month, you get access to all my new podcasts and my entire back catalogue of past podcasts, including my popular Confessions of a Nightclub Bouncer series. You can listen on your computer or on your smartphone or tablet by downloading the Patreon app from the Google Play Store or the App Store for free. The Patreon app also allows you to download each podcast in MP3. For less than the price of a cup of coffee, you get access to dozens of hours of exclusive content. It's easy to sign up, there's no contract, and you can cancel at any time. So come and join our community of free and critical thinkers by signing up with me here on Patreon today.